Welcome to this episode of SDI Encounters, a podcast from SDI, the home of spiritual companionship. I'm Matt Whitney. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org. Who is a spiritual companion? A spiritual director is a spiritual companion. So is a life coach. So is a chaplain, a hospice nurse, really anybody in a caring vocation. But it can also be a type of person who lives and listens in ways that embody this type of caring. That is, a spiritual companion need not do it as a job. Some of us are spiritual companions in the way we honor our relationships to family, friends, colleagues, neighbors, the land, our ancestors, and the cosmos. So there are lots of ways that the role of spiritual companionship so there are lots of ways the role of spiritual companionship manifests, and SDI celebrates the diversity of practices and people who identify as one. But how does one identify or see themselves and others as a spiritual companion? In April 2020's Listen publication, Executive Director Reverend Seifu Anil Singh Malaris wrote a reflection called The Dimensions of Spiritual Companionship. These are a series of characteristics and skills that a companion lives into and practices in their life. What are the characteristics of a spiritual companion? Reverend Seifu's various dimensions invite us to consider this. And I think it's important to note that one need not embody all of these dimensions, but I think each one should give us some pause at least in which one might consider, how do I practice this dimension? How do I embody it? How do I live it out? In an ongoing series of episodes, Reverend Seifu and I will have conversations around each of these dimensions as a way to unpack and get to know each of them in depth. And as you listen, I invite you to consider each for yourself. The way that you understand each dimension need not reflect how we understand it. But I hope that these conversations spark either a knowing within you or a good curiosity. Just a quick note on this conversation, we were having some audio recording technical difficulties. Uh, we had to edit out some of the uh, garbled audio, so it sounds a little muffled, but it's still listenable. Thank you for understanding. Well, Reverend Seifu, we're talking today about this hallmark, a dimension of a spiritual companion, accountability. And you wrote in your article, being accountable to ourselves, to the communities we serve, and to our supervisors who help keep us honest. Who's the role of accountability for a spiritual companion? So a sense of personal responsibility, right? Another one of the tenets is universal ethical principles, and we'll talk about that at some other point, but we take what we do seriously. We respect the agency of the folks who come to us, and act with integrity and hold ourselves accountable to them and we hold ourselves accountable to ourselves are we behaving correctly and i'm not talking about you know right or wrong it's, it's more like in buddhism we talk about right speech right thought right mindfulness and so one way to describe this is 
accountability to ourselves, accountability to the people that we companion, to honoring their agency, to honoring confidentiality, to acting with integrity in everything that we do. That also means holding ourselves accountable to the communities that we serve. And many spiritual companions don't just serve individuals, they serve communities of individuals. And having our own supervisor or supervisors, plural. So people that we admit our shortcomings and we go, we have our quandaries and we go to our supervisors and we get their feedback, even if they're peer supervisors. Many spiritual companions who are more seasoned don't have kind of hierarchical supervisors, they kind of, they have peers with which we compare notes and say, well, you know, what do you think about this? How would you respond without revealing, of course, any of the particulars of, of the individual companion that you're with, but just saying, here's the kind of situation or quandary that I find myself in. So I think accountability is across many different levels to ourselves, to the people we companion, to our supervisors or our peers, to our communities, to our ethical principles. And I will go there and say to God, to the universe, or to whatever we find is the primordial force that is calling us to this kind of service. Yeah, I guess it begins with a sense of ethical principles you mentioned that we bring as a spiritual companion to others. I think of it as a posture. You also mentioned the sort of universal do no harm ethics. But I think it's so easy as somebody who has trained to be a spiritual director to have a sense of right posture or even I call it the guru status. I am a teacher and my client. I am a director and I will tell you what to do. I will tell you what to do. And we sort of place ourselves on these. It's easy to do. I'm not saying we do it, but it, it is a temptation to place oneself on a pedestal. That is, I know more about spirituality. I have achieved enlightenment. We think of ourselves as more accomplished than we actually are on the spiritual path. And so there's a temptation to sort of hold that over people that we are companioning with. And, you know, so this is a long way of getting to this idea of having ethical principles as a spiritual companion. And I think they are universal, but accountability, let's come back to that. So how does one in a practical way, like hold oneself accountable as a spiritual companion? Maybe we talk about the supervision relationship. Yeah, we can talk about that as well. I think this one ties in so many different ones. There's the universal ethical principles that we're talking about. There's accountability, but there's also skillful means, right? Which is the last thing we talked about was grounding ourselves in the unknown. And so if we're grounded in the unknown, that also means honoring that principle and how we respond to our companions without lording it over them, without assuming that we know anything other than we're guides on this particular mountain that for some reason they want to climb as well. And we know where the crevasses and the, the danger zones, the loose rocks, the things that would knock anybody down the mountain if you want to avoid. But other than that, I'm speaking personally, Whenever I'm with a spiritual companion and someone that I'm guiding, 
it's really the sense of mutuality, which is another one of the 14 tenets that we discussed, which is that I'm learning as much from them as they are from me, that their self-revelation is a revelation to me as well. And so when we say accountable to someone's agency, it's also part of its agency, its mutuality, its universal ethical principles. It kind of brings in all of these together. In fact, I would say that what I like about these 14 principles is that every single one of them invites all of the others. They're just kind of like particular lenses through which you can see the whole. And several more that we haven't even mentioned. So accountability to the companions that we help guide up that mountain so that they don't fall means respecting their agency, but it also means respecting what we might perceive as their mistakes, which actually are not mistakes. They're just the steps that they need to take to learn how to go up the mountain. It's like you're a father and I'm a father. It's like teaching our children how to ride a bike or do anything in life. They have to learn it for themselves. It's not just, hey, I know how to ride a bike, so you're my son or you're my daughter and you will too. No, they have to learn for themselves. And as they're learning, they're gonna fall. And when your child falls, you don't go, oh, you did it wrong, you screwed up, get up there and do it. But I don't, and I, and I know you don't either. That's when you get up and say, oh, Finding your balance on this bike is the hardest thing to do. Once you master that, then everything else, and you can't think about it. You just have to feel your way into it. And spiritual companionship and a relationship with God and the universe, or however you want to define it, is the same way. It's kind of like learning how to ride a bike, finding your balance, and then flowing with it unthinkingly so that you can ride the bike without thinking about it. Because, of course, if you think about my right foot and my left foot and I have to keep this thing called balance. If you start thinking it, you're going to fall. You're going to fall over and over and over again. And spiritual companionship is very similar. We're kind of like coaches in a way and supporters and inspirers. And that's a form of accountability, which is you're quite right. Not I know better than you, but simply I'm teaching you how to ride a bike. And once you learn how to ride that bike, you're going to take that bike wherever you want to go. And that's the goal. It's not for you to bike in the same way that I do or to take my roads. It's for you to learn how to use this tool so that you can find your own way. That's a form of accountability between a guide and someone willing to be guided. Learning to ride a bike is a good analogy just because I can picture it. The kinesthetic, somatic knowing of balance and making a bike go can feel quite natural for one, but for somebody who doesn't know how to ride a bike, it's very unnatural and it's very clumsy. You can offer pointers, but you can't tell somebody how to balance because communicating through words like, well, you balance by balancing, that doesn't help. No, thanks a lot, Matt. That was very helpful. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is having integrity as a spiritual companion, I think is easier said than done. And so I can think, okay, respect the agency of the person that I'm companioning and go into an hour-long session with somebody and think, respect integrity. But then I can come away from that session being like, did I actually respect their integrity? Maybe I said something that I thought was respecting, but actually wasn't. I'm not sure. 
And I think that's where the accountability becomes practical is that I can go to somebody else and be like, was I respecting integrity when I talked about this? And that applies to a lot of different aspects of the relationship. Absolutely. I think that's very well said. Yes, and a supervisor or a peer can help with that. Did I screw up? They're like, yeah, absolutely you did. <laughs> and probably not for the reasons that you think you did, mm-hmm. right? But it's also learning how to hold ourselves accountable, which is, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And I'm honest enough and I know myself enough, which I think is also part of the requirement, is being accountable to ourselves means looking ourselves in the mirror because we all make mistakes, right? I make mistakes, you make mistakes. Even after you've been doing spiritual companionship for 30 years, you're still going to make mistakes. But then it's much easier to catch yourself and go, I really shouldn't have said that. Now what do I do? Well, you have to go back to that person and say, basically, Dad, I shouldn't have said that. I was projecting my own whatever it is onto you, and I apologize for that. And let's take up that issue again and look at it from a different lens. SDI is a member-supported global contemplative movement that contributes to peace, justice, and living in right relationship with all beings. Your membership supports this podcast, publications, educational programming, and outreach. Together, we are changing the world through the contemplative action of spiritual companionship. Everyone is welcome to be a member of SDI. Membership benefits include subscriptions to our presence, listen, and connections publications, discounts on educational events and gatherings, and now offering online group spiritual companionship sessions. Become a new member or renew your membership today on our website, sdicompanions.org. In some way, the skillful means in this accountability is honesty, is being honest with ourselves, but also honest with the people that we companion. We're not demigods. We're not infallible creatures. We're human beings that have some training and have some experience that we want to share. But in this sense, it's not our own experience. It's basically being supportive of another person as they develop their own experience of intimacy with the infinite and the universe with God. And so accountability, honesty is a prerequisite. Honesty with ourselves and honesty with others. And allowing them to be honest with us, which can be very difficult. Because yeah. our egos kick in to the ear and go, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, why should I listen to you? Right. As well. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. So there's all that dimensionality. Mm-hmm. Or to somebody who's been doing spiritual direction for a long time and is experienced. Someone who's been doing it for 20 years and they've got dozens of clients. It's probably easy to fall into the temptation that I don't need help. I don't need supervision. I know what I'm doing. And we really stress that humility and curiosity at all all times to be a lifelong learner, to be continually evaluating one's practice is essential for this work. And so accountability means continually evaluating the way that one is a spiritual companion. And so there are a couple of relationships that come to mind for me. There's 
the fact that a spiritual companion should also have their own spiritual companion, their own spiritual director, whom they go to see for companionship, and a supervisor. And maybe you can talk a little bit about those two relationships and how they play into this accountability equation. Yeah, you know, my own take on supervision is maybe a little different than most because I see that relationship in the same way that I see. That's why I don't personally use the term spiritual director, although I honor it and I respect people who do. I also don't use the term supervisor because it implies a power imbalance. I'd rather meet with a peer, right? So I meet with a spiritual companion of my own whom I specifically go to for guidance on how I am applying my skills as a spiritual companion with someone else. Rather than seeking guidance from that person, this so-called supervisor, or in this case, my own professional advisor, if you will, or peer, and I like the term peer, you know, like spiritual peer, spiritual yeah. companion peer, who I can compare notes with and who may have a lot more experience than me in some areas, but where there's not a power imbalance resonates with me personally a lot more, which is I had this situation with person X and this is how I handled it. And I'm really not sure if I did the right thing and they can say one of many things but they could say no you did the right thing that's okay and let me tell you from my perspective why that was the right thing or whoops that was not so good and let me tell you why and so it creates a dialogue it externalizes the accountability dialogue so that you get those perspectives that help inform our practice as spiritual companions and you can say oh live and learn right deep listening the best example is this divide between that I see a lot of spiritual companions and spiritual directors and that I've wrestled with myself, which is the desire to problem solve, desire to fix. Someone that comes to you is in distress and you want to help them. Of course you want to help them because you're a kind-hearted, compassionate being and you want to alleviate their suffering. You want to help alleviate their suffering. But if you do it by jumping into problem solving, you're actually disempowering them. You're not respecting their agency. You're not respecting their own ability to problem solve for themselves. And that's not our job. Our job is to be a witness and to listen and to support. And yes, to respond if we're asked questions about well, do you think I'm doing the right thing here? Then you can answer, right? If they ask you point blank, then you can answer. And your answer might be, it's not for me to say. But those are all kind of different levels of accountability. I prefer peer supervisor, maybe is another way to describe it. But someone who, even though they may have a lot more experience than me, also walks alongside me in the same way that I try to walk alongside the people who come to me. Yeah. I mean, it just must take such discipline to not help somebody or to not to prescribe solutions to perceived problems that somebody is working through. I agree. And when I was younger, I had all the solutions, right? Because yeah. I knew everything, right? And so that's also part of the um, another hallmark, which is the growing path to maturity is the realization that we really know very little. And, you know, as we get older, we know less and less and less and less. 
And of course, paradoxically, that means that we know more because knowing less means that we know more and we understand more. And, but yes, when I was younger, I absolutely fell into that. It was like, let me give you 10 solutions to your problem. And guess what? They're all wrong. <laughs> my solutions. You have to come up with your own solutions. You recommended the book Siddhartha to me by Herman Hesse, and I read it and loved it and really resonated with it. And I tell this to friends, there's a scene in the book where Siddhartha meets the Buddha, and he's like, Buddha, your teachings are perfect. The way that you understand the universe is flawless. There's no error in anything that you've taught, but it's your teaching and not mine. And so I can't receive your teaching because I need to discover my own teaching. And Siddhartha leads the Buddha and he goes off and has his adventures. But I think that's what you're getting at is we know less and less because we, we understand that each person's path is singular. Each person's journey up the mountain is their own and we can't climb it for them. No, we can't. It's kind of like being accountable to the universe, accountable to God, accountable to that higher power, right? Is we, as you use the word humble, we're humble enough to know that authenticity comes in many different forms and many different guises. And somebody can be very exuberant and extroverted and dance and sing and cry and express their love for their God in that way, and their connection to the universe in that way. And I'm much more introverted, and for me, it's quiet sitting and contemplation and listening to birds, and that's my connection to the infinite. There's not one right one and one wrong one. They're both beautiful expressions, and take those two and multiply them by infinity, and there's a whole range of possible expressions of our connection with the infinite or the divine or however you want to call it. And it's not just different for every person. It's different for all of us in our own lives from moment to moment or day to day or mood to mood or relationship to relationship or year to year in our lives. It's just constantly changing. So accountability also is a humble acknowledgement of our limitations and an acceptance of the infinite beyond of possibilities of expression in terms of divinity and in terms of universality. And speaking of that, universality and uh, somewhat related to accountability, but something that you talk a lot about and hinted at here is just the sort of leveling of hierarchies in these relationships. You use spiritual companion instead of spiritual direction, even though the work is the same. You use peer supervision instead of supervisor, even though that work is the same. Why is that so important? This sort of level playing field between companions. But yeah. The relationship can look different, but the dichotomy is not there. Right? Well, thank you for asking that, because that goes to the heart of the matter, right? It's power imbalances that are the plague of not just our calling and our profession, but religion and spirituality as a whole, right? It's people exploiting others in the name of God, in the name of Buddha, in the name of Krishna, in the name of the universe. And actually, Schopenhauer talked about the double injury, right? And where not only are you not fulfilling the job that you're supposed to, which is to support 
and inspire others to come into their own sense of God and universe, but you're actually robbing them of that opportunity by leading them astray. So you're committing a double injury, is what Schopenhauer would have argued. And I think that's really why, this is my personal belief, why accountability for me means no power imbalances. Don't follow a teacher. We can have many guys and many teachers, but as soon as we turn over our own sense of agency to someone else, we are lost. We have lost. You know, and people can get lost for a lifetime, for lifetimes, however they, they look at it. And we are all gods in, in a way. We're all walking miracles, that's for sure. I mean, we're these wondrous creatures with these tremendous faculties. But we're also human beings, and we're fallible, and we're moral, and, and we're wounded, and we're traumatized, and, you know, we have lots of ranges of expressions possible. But the one that really corrupts the most is power imbalances. Um, so I'm very mindful, and I think the role of spiritual companions is to be aware of those power imbalances and not to force them or foster them, to say, Hold on a second, you know, you're coming to me because I'm a, climbed up this mountain a thousand times. That doesn't mean that I'm Krishna incarnate or Jesus incarnate or Buddha incarnate. I'm just a guy. I'm just a person. I can help you get up the mountain. And as me and I have talked about many times, the view from up there is mine to behold and yours to behold. And they might be similar, but they're not identical. We're not identical. So, Power imbalances, I think, is another form of being accountable, which is not to take advantage of position or education or privilege. And that can be very hard to do, particularly in a vulnerable relationship, like one between a spiritual companion and the person who comes to them, to not exploit that relationship in any way and to honor it. That's the encounter. Yes, absolutely. It brings me back to respecting the agency of the person we're companioning, and embedded in that is also respecting your own agency and recognizing that there is power there. And part of the accountability practice is giving that away, letting that go really over and over again through these accountability practices that we engage in. I hope that our conversation has stirred something in you. I invite you to take a moment to reflect. How do you identify with this dimension of spiritual companionship? Does it feel natural? Does it feel elusive? How does this dimension manifest in you? Is it something you desire to increase for yourself? I invite you to take a few breaths and tend to that stirring. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us share and spread the word about the life-giving practice of spiritual companionship, you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast through your favorite app. You could give us a like or even write us a review. Thank you for listening. This is Matt Whitney with Spiritual Directors International. 
Thanks again for listening. Your time and your presence here are deeply appreciated. If you liked this show and would like us to continue making them, please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind. Also, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. SDI is the home of spiritual companionship. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org.